This is District Sentinel Radio. It's the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. Good news for the Nothing Will Fundamentally Change Caucus. Today, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell were reelected by their respective parties to lead those parties in the next session of Congress. Absolutely no responsibility whatsoever on Schumer for the dismal performance by Democratic Senate candidates. A lot of races they were expected to win, they lost. In the House, Pelosi is also uh, throwing her out in to run again for Speaker of the House when those elections are held later this year. I don't think, and I know it's not officially over yet, but I don't think Schumer has come close, has come even close to being Senate Majority Leader uh, since he took over for Harry Reid in 2015. Nope. They, in 2016, they were supposed, it was a favorable map for them in 2016. Yep. And we all know how that worked out. Uh, 2018, the map wasn't so favorable uh, but they still lost seats, which I'm not sure they should have done. And uh, this time around, they they were expected to have a majority of some sort. And while it's not, it's not, I wouldn't rule it out yet. You know, I wouldn't rule it out in the same way that I wouldn't rule out that uh, Sheffield United might win the Premier League this year. <laughs> Yeah, um, th- I guess there's just no challenge to Schumer. There's no nobody yeah. within the Senate Democratic Caucus that's willing to take him on. I mean, in the House, you have a few people who might step up willing to take on Pelosi, but they all suck just as much as she does normally. Hopefully, there's a movement within the caucus to, to put someone more credible to the left of Pelosi to challenge her, someone like Barbara Lee or... Pramila Jayapal or something. But in the Senate, there's just nothing. There's nothing. I know that there's chatter about like Patty Murray or someone, but I guess that didn't materialize. So uh, no matter who is in the majority next year in the Senate, uh, Chuck Schumer will be leading the Democrats. Fan-fucking-tastic. It's Tuesday, November 10th, 2020. Here's the news. The nation's top diplomat, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, is now questioning the legitimacy of U.S. elections. Bit of a role reversal for a guy who is normally questioning the legitimacy of foreign elections. During a press briefing on Tuesday, Pompeo was asked how the State Department is preparing a smooth transition with the president-elect Joe Biden and his team, to which the Secretary of State replied with this. Uh, is the State Department currently preparing to engage with the Biden transition team? And if not, at what point does a delay hamper a smooth transition or pose a risk to national security? There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. In a follow-up, Pompeo was asked if he disputed results showing Biden way ahead in states with 99% of the votes counted, and if those results should be overturned, Pompeo responded with allegations of illegal votes. I believe there's widespread voter fraud, that the reports that we're getting from Pennsylvania, 
from Michigan showing vote totals and massive leads or significant leads with 99% reporting are going to be overturned and that the United States failed to conduct a fraudulent free election? Rich, I'm the Secretary of State. I'm getting calls from all across the world. These people are watching our election. They understand that we have a legal process. They understand that this takes time, right? It took us 37 plus days in an election back in 2000, we conducted a successful transition then. I'm very confident that we will count and we must count every legal vote. We must make sure that any vote that wasn't lawful ought not be counted. That dilutes your vote if it's done improperly. We've got to get that right. When we get it right, we'll get it right. We're, we're, we're in good shape. Should foreign leaders right. not be calling we're, we're, we're President-elect Biden? You know, if a foreign leader was making these same claims following a lost election, Pompeo would express deep concern for what's happening. Unless, of course, that leader was a reactionary like Juan Guaido, in which case the U.S. State Department would just declare them the winner. The funny thing is, just minutes before making these claims of illegal voting, Pompeo lashed out at Nicaragua and Venezuela and demanded that they hold so-called free and fair elections. We also congratulate the people of St. Vincent and the Grenadines on their successful election last week, and we continue to seek similar free and fair elections in Venezuela and in Nicaragua. When a reporter noted the hypocrisy on display here, this was Pompeo's response. What kind of guidance are you giving to American diplomats on how to characterize the results of the presidential election? And also, this department frequently sends out statements encouraging free and fair elections abroad. Yes. And for the losers <laughs> of those elections to accept the results, doesn't President Trump's refusal to concede discredit those efforts? That's ridiculous. And you know it's ridiculous. And you asked it because it's ridiculous. Uh, look, the truth, the, you, you, you asked the question, yes, ma'am, you asked the question, if you, if you will permit me to answer it. Um, you asked a question that is ridiculous. This department cares deeply to make sure that elections around the world are safe and secure and free and fair, and my officers risk their lives to ensure that that happens. They work diligently on that. We often encounter situations where it's not clear about a particular election. We work to uncover facts. We work to do discovery to learn whether, in fact, the outcome the decision that was made reflected the will of the people. That's our responsibility. That's what we try to do, along with partners all across the world, along with OSCE inspectors, to make sure that those elections were free and fair. We want every one of those votes to be counted in the same way that we have every expectation that every vote here in the United States will be counted, too. It is totally appropriate. The United States has an election system that is laid out deeply in our Constitution, and we're going to make sure that, that we get that right. And we have, we, we have all of you have and should be committed to making sure that that happens. I think every one of you wants that same outcome. You want every vote to be counted. You want to run the process. We want uh, the, the law to be imposed in a way that reflects the reality of what took place. Pompeo's remarks come one day after the Attorney General Bill Barr released a memo to state attorneys across the country scrapping a decades-long policy to not intervene in election disputes by giving U.S. attorneys the green light to investigate so-called allegations of irregularities when it comes to voting. On Tuesday, President Trump tweeted out, quote, we will win and, quote, ballot counting abuse. He also noted that Pennsylvania Republicans will be picking their party leadership this week, saying, quote, I hope they pick very tough and smart fighters. We will win, end quote. Perhaps a nod to a strategy discussed among the Trump team and Republican officials in Pennsylvania in the run-up to the election about discarding the state's electors and picking new pro-Trump electors 
in a bid to overturn the state's results should they need to. Sam, are we are we in the cool zone yet? I don't know. I guess it depends what uh what the courts say when these when these lawsuits start coming through. Wrong. The answer is we've always been in the cool zone. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, the Federal Reserve warned yesterday that the U.S. is facing a wave of business failures. In a biannual report on financial stability, the Fed noted that commercial borrowing was already high before the pandemic, and it has, quote, risen sharply as businesses increase borrowing to weather the period of weak earnings. Commercial real estate prices are down, with the financial situation of U.S. businesses having deteriorated. And the Fed noted that credit ratings are dropping for investment-grade non-financial corporate debt. At the end of September, half of all such credit was rated just one notch above junk rating at triple B. The Fed said this ratio was near an all-time high. One cause for optimism is that only 5% of corporate bonds are due within one year, while 20% of them are due within three years, meaning businesses have time to make good on their loans. But the quality of small business credit is down, and as the Fed remarked, many small businesses expect more hardship to come when money they received under the Paycheck Protection Program runs out. Another ominous sign is the market for car loans. In August, loans in loss mitigation and delinquencies were about 50% higher than they were in January, and 4.5% of all auto loan borrowers hadn't made any payments in April. Think about that for a second. Of all the people borrowing to make car payments in August, about 1 in 20 hadn't made a single loan payment in four months. The danger of a pandemic Great Depression is far from over. The Fed warned that if there are delays in the production and distribution of a vaccine, and if pandemic conditions linger, quote, downward pressure on the U.S. economy could derail the nascent recovery, the report also noted, quote, a number of contacts are worried that a deepening political divide could delay timing or reduce the size of additional fiscal stimulus. Again, just crushing, just absolutely crushing that Dim screwed up their Senate campaigns. To highlight the severity of the situation, Fed Governor Lael Brainerd, rumored to be a Biden Treasury Secretary pick, released a statement about the report she noted that panic liquidation caused runs on prime money market funds, quote, as large or larger than those in 2008. The turmoil in March was stopped by interventions from the Fed, the Treasury Department, and Congress. Moving on, we're learning more details about the June 1st incident at D.C.'s Lafayette Square Park in which peaceful protesters were attacked by police to allow President Trump to stage a photo op. Through a Freedom of Information Act request, the group Public Employees for Environmental Responsibility, or PEER, obtained more than 100 pages of email correspondence between park police leading up to the brutal crackdown. The emails detail the movements of various protests around the nation's capital. One message includes a protest guide directly ripped from internal communications from the Say Their Names organizers. While the documents are heavily redacted, some information can be gleaned from them. Like between May 30th and June 1st, the emails showed that Park Police deployed their entire cache of pepper balls. 
Some of those chemical munitions may have in fact been expired in response to an email detailing how a sergeant within Park Police picked up a bunch of riot gear in preparation for protests. A Park Police captain noted how the force was in need of redacted because, quote, and this is uh, a grammar error in the email, because, quote, almost here are expired. Other messages suggest authorities were desperate to obtain new riot gear as vendors had run out of supplies. Peer noted how the emails also show law enforcement agencies unclear of who is taking the lead in responding to the protests. As Peer staff counsel Kevin Bell noted in a press release, quote, These documents show federal officials lost in a fog of a self-declared war against unarmed protesters. These first glimpses depict panic and pandemonium among senior officials at several federal agencies. In one email, a park ranger is advising the National Mall and Memorial Park's chief of communications to ignore certain postings made on social media, including one about an Egyptologist allegedly informing people how to remove an obelisk that people wrongfully believed was the Washington Monument. You just tear that down, just wrap a rope around the Washington Monument and just yank it down. Another example was a picture of fires around the Washington Monument, which was actually just a screen grab from a video game. Quote, just wanted to give you the heads up in case you get weird requests for comment today, the park ranger says. Peer noted that these emails represent just a fraction of the records responsive to their FOIA request, and that park police is still in the process of reviewing upwards of 5,000 documents related to the events around Lafayette Park over the summer. Finally, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments today in a lawsuit aimed at killing Obamacare. But even though two-thirds of the court has been appointed by Republicans with the recent addition of Amy Coney Barrett, it seems that conservatives will not fully prevail. Today, John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh asked questions of solicitors about severability suggesting they will not rule to invalidate the whole Affordable Care Act. If these two conservatives refuse to strike down the entire ACA and the other four conservatives do vote to strike down the entire ACA, well, that will not be enough votes to strike down the entire ACA with three liberals still on the court. At the heart of the case is the so-called individual mandate, the part of Obamacare establishing penalties for anyone who doesn't buy health insurance. In 2017, when Republicans controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House and reformed the tax code, they reduced the individual mandate to $0. Officials from Republican states are arguing that this should render other parts of the law unconstitutional. Roberts, however, disagreed saying, quote, I think it's hard for you to argue that Congress intended the entire act to fail if the mandate was struck down. Kavanaugh said to one of the litigators defending the law, Obama Solicitor General Don Verrilli, quote, I tend to agree with you that this is a very straightforward case, saying the court could, quote, excise the mandate and leave the rest of the act in place. Unintentional rhyme there. Uh, even though Obamacare was mostly terrible and the U.S. healthcare system is still the laughing stock of the world, there would be real material consequences if the Supreme Court invalidated all of the ACA. As CNBC noted, rules on pre existing conditions and the Medicare expansion still hang in the balance. Man, I really, 
Really hope they save Obamacare. I'm really looking forward to uh, jumping on those exchanges next year and searching for a health care plan that I can't afford. <laughs> that you have to buy, although the penalty for not buying it is zero dollars. Mm. That's the newscast for today. That music means it's time to move on to the poetry portion of the show where we read a haiku for all our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month, you get access to all our bonus content and you get a free month of Means TV where you can catch Sam and I every Thursday morning on Means Morning News. This is for Ed. Do not ask me more. But this afternoon, I had spiky balls for lunch. <laughs> I really want to ask more, but I'm I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave that be, the spiky balls. Ed, thank you. Thanks to all the new subscribers on Patreon. <laughs> I feel like you want to say something, but uh, you're not. You're no, not I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I was just yawning there. Right. Just, uh. Nobody cares about the spiky balls. Nobody wants any more information about the spiky balls. You had spiky balls for lunch. That's it. That's the story. Sometimes you eat a lot of spiky balls for lunch and then you get real tired in the afternoon. (laughs) Uh, Where are we? Uh, Yeah. Thanks for listening. That's the show. We got a chip chat tomorrow where we talk about all this coup stuff happening in the U.S. and elsewhere. And then we got Means Morning News on Thursday and then we're back here. For the Friday subscriber show, we're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.